shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. Every single spring, that first day that I walk outside and I see that yellow dust all over my truck, I'm like, that is Satan's dandruff. It destroys me. I legitimately can't go outside for longer than three minutes because my eyes get swollen, my eyes get puffy, my nose gets congested, and I just simply can't breathe. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. When I started taking Claritin D about two months ago, I can finally get back outside and play pickleball again, which is what I love to do, but I couldn't do it because my allergies were so bad. Claritin D has legitimately allowed me to go outside again, ready to live life as if you don't have allergies it's time to live Claritin clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. It is Thursday, February 2nd, 2023. My name is Carlos Enrique Wittier Guzman Chibola This is episode 94 of the Human Hope Podcast. And I got one question. Y'all ready for this? Here we go. Bounce. Yeah, yeah. What is good, fam? Welcome to another episode of the Human Hope Podcast with your host, Carlos Enrique Wittiker Guzman Cabello. More and more of you, as I see you in the wild, are actually memorizing how to say my full name. The full thing. Carlos, and you roll, gotta roll your R's. Enrique Wittiker Guzman or Los for short. Here we are nearing 100 episodes of the Human Hope Podcast. Um, I'm not quite sure what that sound just was. Did you guys hear that? I did. That was weird. Um, if it happens again, maybe I'll restart the show. Or maybe not. Maybe I'll just, you'll just have like weird sounds in here. Um, it is February 2nd. And that means it is the second day of Black History Month. I'm recording it on the first day of Black History Month, the first one. Um, and I feel like it is a great, great day to episode to maybe lean into my story just a little bit. And my story on... Um, my own black history, you know, I've talked about this a couple times before I've talked about it, um, in, in various capacities, as far as what, um, what, what I feel like it really means to me, uh, to be a black man in America. 
And the, the complicated nature of even that statement for me, uh, why is it complicated? Because my mom is a white passing Mexican and my father is a black man from Panama. And so there was, there was a lot of, um, of especially, you know, listen, I was born in 1973, which yeah, I do the math. That's right. I mean, y'all already know it's a big year for me, but, um, I, I grew up in the South in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, in, you know, a, a very racially charged season. Not that it's not now, but it's definitely getting better. Um, and you know, I'm, I'm actually going to be spending a lot of this month on my Instagram and on the podcast, leaning into a couple, you know, a couple really great questions that, um, I am allowing people to ask in very safe ways because I feel like I am the, uh, the safe guy when it comes to, Hey, look, I got a safe black friend. That's not going to make me feel like an idiot. Now, when I, when I ask, you know, whatever, whatever question is that I've been wondering about black history, because that's what I want to be. Now, now there, there's some, there's some people just, just to let you know, there's some black people that listen, they have, they're exhausted. They're exhausted from the journey of educating. And I'm just not there yet. I'm not exhausted yet. <clears throat> and I put up a question box on my, well, I got a little bit of, <clears throat> a little bit of a cold here. No, I'm not speaking that over myself, not a cold, but I'm a little snuffly, sniffly. Um, and so I put up a question box yesterday on my Instagram and the question box said safe question box to ask about race or black history. And man, I mean, y- y'all, y'all came at it like, like y'all, y'all, asked some very good questions. Um, and let me read a couple of them and, and I'll, I'll be answering these throughout the month, um, on my Instagram or on my podcast. Um, oh, one of the, one of the big ones is why do some black people use the N word? Seems like they would hate the word no matter who said it. It's a very great, great question. And I have a very great answer that I'm going to answer on my Instagram probably tomorrow. Um, I live in a community with little diversity. How do I know that I know that I know that I'm not prejudiced? Great question. Um, how should we respond to country leaders placing restriction on African-American history education? Very good. Is it offensive that there's only one month to focus on black history? Great, great question. So, so like these are, these are so good. Um, you know, people are asking like, like, can black people be racist? Can, um, if a black person cracks a joke about black people, is it okay for me to laugh? I'm white. Like all of the, I, I'm so proud that, that all of you asked the question, um, the questions that you asked, because I'm going to lean into a lot of these difficult questions. Um, if you have other questions, Carlos at Carlos Whitaker with two T's.com. I always have to say two T's cause people think I'm related to Forrest Whitaker. I got two T's in my name. Um, and, and, and ask, because I'm, I'm going to be leaning into some of these questions this month in and around all the places that I talk, mostly Instagram. Um, but today specifically is going to be a conversation about my, um, my feeling towards black history and why it's important to me. Um, and it's a little bit more personal. Now, uh, for those of you, first, first of all, let's see here. It is now Thursday, 
um, you know, I, I already, th- I guess I thanked you last week for all the support, but, but you guys are still buying how to human, like it's on its third printing. Like it's just, it's so cool to see all the support. If you've read chapter, I got it in my hand. Can't remember what chapter it is. Oh, chapter two. Be you, right? So, so the book is split into be human, see humans, free humans. Um, if you've read chapter two, be you, uh, you're you're going to understand everything I'm about to say in this episode. Um, if you haven't, you, you're in luck because I'm about to read you the chapter. <laughs> and and as I it, what I'm what I want to do with it is as I read the chapter, I want to um, put some additions. Uh, amendments, not amendments, but I, I just want to add a little bit of context to obviously, you know, the, the book is 65,000 words. I could only write so many words. So I thought, you know, I'd use today to add some extraness to the story. Um, and it's a, it's a story of, of young, young, little, little Los, little Los. Uh, and it's my story on my journey towards discovering who I am as a black man. You know, I mean, another question I get all the time is like, Carlos, your dad's Panamanian, your mom's Mexican. How, why do you, why do you keep calling yourself black? Or Carlos, why do you identify more with the black part of who you are as opposed to the Latino part of who you are? All of these are great questions. And I, some of it is going to be answered, um, in, in this episode. Now, um, I want to, I want to get, I want to get into that. I want to get into some of my feelings on that. But before, before we do that, we've got a, uh, we got one of my partners that more and more of you guys are using. Hang on. Let me, let me get some of my partner music up here. Hey, all right. We got that partner music. <laughs> um, listen, you ready? This is going to help more of you than you think need the help. Our partner today is Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. Find top talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. I'm telling you guys, they do it all right here. Something that I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy. I actually heard from one of you that found two employees on Indeed because you heard it on the show. How good is that? I love it. Okay. Indeed does all the hard work for you. Okay. Um, If you want to sponsor a job and then boom, Instant Match shows you candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your job description immediately after you post. With Instant Match, you can start hiring fast. Indeed knows when you're growing your own business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why with Indeed, you only pay for quality applicants that match your must-have job requirements. All right, you guys ready? This is what we're going to do. Visit indeed.com slash human hope and start hiring right now. Like, like, like you could do it. Like you literally can find somebody like right now. That's amazing. Number one. Number two, go to this is where you're gonna go. Indeed.com slash human hope. That is indeed.com slash human hope. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire. You need indeed. Now back to the show. All right, we back. I, I just I don't know the 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 partner music makes me so happy every single time we play it. 
So why is, why is black history month so important to me? Well, let me tell you, because for far too long, I ignored the black part of who I am. I did. I just did. Like there was, um, I, I would laugh at, um, jokes that my white Southern male friends would tell about black people around me. Um, I just laugh, you know, and every once in a while, like I kind of remember them like catching a glimpse of them looking at me like, is Carlos going to laugh? Is Carlos black? I know his dad's black, but he speaks Spanish. Like, like all of this, this kind of confusing, confusing stuff. Oh, I heard the sound again. Did you guys hear that? That So weird. What is that? That can't be a normal thing. I can't have that happening all the time. Um, scroll. Okay. So, you know, it's important to me because like I, I grew up ignoring, suppressing, hiding, being embarrassed of this part of who I am. And, um, I don't, I I can't think of a better way to, to get you into the story than just opening up how to human chapter two. I'm listen, some of you guys are, you're going to be shocked by this. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. It, It was a little shocking to me. Um, but, but let's go ahead and, uh, let's go and start. I'm, wait, I got some reading, reading intro music. I know we, I know we tried this last week and, uh, you know, we, we kind of made a decision that, um, <laughs> that it's not necessarily, uh, the background music that, that we wanted, but I think I found one that fits the bill. Here we go. Yes. And we've used this before in human hope. We'll just start off with this music behind me uh, and then we'll fade out. Okay. All right, here we go. Chapter two, be you. This is my dad talking. Carlitos, look at me, said my dad, Fermin Whitaker, in Atlanta, Georgia, when I was about five years old. You are Mexican, okay? You are Mexican, Mexicano, not black, end quote. My father didn't say these words to me often, But he said this to me enough times during my childhood that I can still see his eyes leaning forward to connect with mine as he spoke. And I remember seeing his face filled with concern and compassion as he did. I don't know. I didn't know then why he would tell me these things. Now, I I mean, I remember this is I'm ad-libbing now when um, when this first happened um, and where, where I first was when, when I heard my dad say this to me, I was like, we had a, like a slanted driveway. We were in, um, 3163 Sprucewood drive, Decatur, Georgia, like in Decatur, Georgia, in like an old white neighborhood. We just moved there. He's on the driveway. Like the pine trees are to my left. Like the, it was definitely summertime still. And I, I had my little Gary Coleman Afro and I just remember looking at my dad's eyes, but thinking like, okay. Of course. So that's where I was. However, I do get this weird feeling when I remember those times, almost like he didn't like black people, but that was kind of weird because he sort of looked like a black person. And obviously he told me this because I looked like one too, only just not as much as he did, which is because of my mom. You see, my mom is Mexican. But even she didn't look like the Mexicans I thought of in my head when I heard the word. You see, my mom is white, like as white as Barbara Bush. And there were 
And there we were in the deep South, having just moved all the way across the country from Los Angeles, California to this all white neighborhood in Atlanta. Look, I already spoiled that because I was ad-libbing. My parents spoke Spanish and I spoke Spanglish. I was just a little kid with a white mom and a black dad, both of whom spoke Spanish as their first language. And all I wanted to do was make some friends in our new city. But my dad was adamant. I wasn't black. I was Hispanic. And so that's who Little Los became. I was Mexican slash Panamanian slash non-black slash Latino Carlos Whitaker. After these early discussions, I never questioned my dad's reasoning for telling me this again and again, especially every time I would attend a new school. I never questioned him telling me this every time we moved to a new neighborhood. I thought he was simply giving me a history lesson about our heritage, about who I was. And then one day in second grade, I found out why he was so adamant about this fact. I picked the N-word. He can probably run the fastest, said the boy when he picked me for his kickball team. Um, hey, hey man, I said, I'm not black. I'm Mexican. There was a chorus of laughter. You're not Mexican, man. Look at you. Look at your hair. He was right. As you know already, I had an afro that would have made Gary Coleman proud. Oh, hold on. Can, can, I, can I talk about this afro for a second? I need you guys to understand. This thing was like the picture of afro perfection. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. And yet, like my mom would literally like, like part it. And you know, every once in a while, like when I would try to part it, um, and like trying to part an afro is a lot more difficult than I think normal white people say. Um, but like I would always make my part so curvy, like it looked like it was a road in San Francisco going up some mountain or something like that. But my mom would always, I mean, she would just get that thing like straight. Okay, back to the book. He was right. As you know already, I had an afro that would have made Gary Coleman proud. It was the first time I began to think about the whole thing myself. Wait a second. Mexicans don't have afros, do they? This guy's right. But as I always did, I played into the joke so that the discussion would be over sooner rather than later. Around the same time, we attended a primarily white church, a wonderful place where I formed many lifelong friendships I still have to this day. It was an extremely beautiful group of humans, and I'm grateful for all of them. All of them except for Scotty. Every week at our youth choir practice, Scotty would find me, grab me, hold me with one arm and smash his large hand into and through my hair, all while yelling to everyone else. Look, guys, my handprint will stay in Carlos's hair. Literally traumatic right now. I'm just remembering a few of Scotty's friends would gather around and laugh. I remember thinking that all I could do to make the situation go away was laugh with them. So every week I'd walk into choir practice and try to avoid Scotty until he eventually find me and do his trick with my hair for the entertainment of all his friends. I never told my parents about those weekly moments with Scotty, and I never told the choir director. I didn't want to make it any worse. I wanted to avoid it all to keep my head down, as it were. But every week it was the same. Scotty placed his handprint in my hair, Every week I felt a little less human and a little more like someone else's prop for a punchline. Once I asked Scotty to do his trick to someone else, he replied, it's not as fun with anyone else's hair. Scotty graduated when I was a freshman. I felt relief when he was gone. His racist action physically affected me for only about 30 seconds each week, but it terrorized my mind for days leading up to seeing him again. Now, let's address what you may be thinking. Carlos 
he was just a bully. He was just being mean. And that meanness doesn't make him a racist. Maybe he was just being mean and not racist. And to this thought, I would like to say, I actually understand. I do. Why do we have to make everything racist? And I'm not trying to do that, I promise. But for the sake of definition, for the rest of the book, let's put some handles on my experience. I like to use the definition provided by the National Museum of African American History and Culture when defining a racist idea or action. Ready? It refers to the beliefs, attitudes, and actions of individuals that support or perpetuate racism. The idea that one group is inherently superior to another in conscious and unconscious ways. I don't think Scotty was thinking, I don't like Carlos because he is black, so I'm going to be mean to him. But I do think his weekly action of making fun of my hair because it was an Afro was a racist action. This isn't a book on racism, but since Scotty's hair trick is a large part of my story, I feel it's important for you to understand that a racist action doesn't have to be on purpose. People are accidentally racist all the time. Unfortunately for me, Scotty and his meanness affected my young black heart more than if he were just picking on me because I was skinny. Does that make sense? I can't count the number of times I've laughed along to avoid any acceleration of racist actions towards me. I cannot count the number of times I've hidden my true emotions and feelings to avoid any acceleration of racist actions towards me. I can't count the number of times I've tried to erase any blackness in me to avoid any acceleration of racist actions towards me. It was around this season of my life when the Scotty handprint trick started that I began looking a little more into my dad's history. Dad, where were your parents from? I asked. Grandma and grandpa, were they from Panama too? Oh, no, mijo, he responded. Grandma and grandpa were from Providencia. It's a Caribbean island off the coast of Colombia. There was no internet back then. That I mean, have you guys, sorry, another side, have you seen the clip of um, the Today Show, Bryant Gumbel and Katie Kirk talking about the internet? <laughs> If you haven't, you need to. It's hilarious. Um, okay, so there's no internet back there. So I ran out the front door, hopped on my Huffy bike. Y'all remember those? Uh, thanks, Dad. And I yelled as I took off towards Rehoboth Elementary School. I had just gotten my first clue. Well, besides having a black dad. And I just, I don't it makes me laugh. My own book. And I just finished the latest Encyclopedia Brown book about the young detective. So I knew I was going to crack this case. I just needed some help. Why was it so important for young Carlos to find out who I really was? Well, to put it simply, I wanted to find out so I would know who I was when I was 44. You see, knowing who we are, knowing where we came from and knowing why we are, these are each vital pieces that we need in order to right this ship we call humanity. Many people argue that it's not important to know where we came from because it's much more important to know where we are going. And I understand that idea, at least to a degree, but I will argue that even Jesus himself knew where he came from and was proud of it. We see that he was unapologetically Jewish like he was 100% a Jew. He was born of a Jewish mother in Galilee in the heart of the countryside of Israel. His homeboys, his teachers, his family, his first followers were all Jews. Jesus worshiped in synagogues on the regular. He preached from Jewish texts. He celebrated Jewish holidays and went on Jewish pilgrimages. 
As Shane J.D. Cohen, professor of Judea studies at Harvard, once observed for PBS's Frontline Show, he said, the Gospels have no sense yet that Jesus was anything other than a Jew. The Gospels don't even have a sense that he came to found a new religion. You see, this is so important to remember Jesus's identity mattered. He worked through it. It was actually a part of him. He didn't want to hide it. At the beginning of this journey together, it's important for us to see how deeply Jesus's identity as a Jewish man affected everything he did. This isn't a bad thing at all. I think we often lose sight of this fact because in modern discussions of who Jesus was, we all have these teachers and preachers and sermons telling us that our identity must rest in Christ alone, which sometimes gets twisted into shaming people for celebrating where they came from or their ethnicity or race. I believe the opposite is true. We must know where we came from and who we are to know where we are going. A little aside here, Black History Month. That's why I think it's so important to know where the history and where blacks are and where they are going. Okay, back to the book. It's okay to be proud of where you're from. It's okay to celebrate the traditions you inherited from your family and the heritage of your ancestors. It's okay because they are what made you who you are and what made you most of the time can guide you into the future. Now let's think about it for a moment. What is it about yourself, about who you actually are as a human that you are not likely to put on blast that you don't want anybody to know? Not because it will hold you back, but maybe because you think someone will think less of you. I'm sometimes reminded of how back in 2000, my friend Jack, a Muslim from Iraq, did all he could to not be Muslim. There went that sound again. We'll fix it by next week, maybe. Did all he do to, to, to not be Muslim, just like my dad had me not be black. But how about you? I think it's important for all of us to find that piece of who we are, the one we might want to hide and make sure we lay claim to it. Jesus was a Jew. I am a black Panamexican. What about you? Are you a Scottish immigrant who lives in Ohio and grew up addicted to Ohio State football? If so, own it. Be all of it. Don't be ashamed of it. Are you a Mexican immigrant who happens to lean to the opposite political party than most people who look like you lean? Then I challenge you to lean all the way into it. This is really important in being human. Of course, there are things we're ashamed of. Of course, there's things that we don't want everyone to know. But I promise you that if you stop being ashamed of who you are and instead embrace the good, bad, and ugly, you will be a far more confident human. And that's where this thing is headed, towards humans who can be so bold and confident in themselves that they don't even blink when it's time to be bold and confident for others. How? How do you get there? How do you be human? How do you be who you were created to be? It's not just your ethnicity. It's everything about you. There are things about you that you didn't even know were you. And those may be just the things that unlock ways to be human. We will get back to that in a few pages. But for now, back to me riding my bike to my elementary school. I, I parked my bike next to the gym and ran inside. But instead of heading to homeroom, I went to the library. Making my way through the stacks, I can still smell the unique aroma of the books. And I beeline for the encyclopedias. L listen, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, think Wikipedia, but printed, yes, on paper. Also, usually the content was based on facts. I mean, I think, I don't know, were, were there like fake news encyclopedia people? 
back then. I don't know. Maybe who knows? Okay. Listen back to, back to the book. Sorry. I can't remember exactly how long it took me or how you even look things up in encyclopedias, but I do remember as clear as day landing on the page with facts all about the Isla de Providencia. There was even a tiny black and white photo to go with it. The island was an eight square mile island off Colombia's northern coast. Spanish is one of the native languages of Providencia, but English and Creole English are also spoken there. And then I looked closer at the picture. It featured a group of men with their arms wrapped around each other's necks under a palm tree. They looked a lot like my grandpa. And they also looked a lot like my friend Boris, who's black. So I thought, if they are black and my grandpa's black, then why am I not black? I closed the encyclopedia and walked back to my classroom where it was very obvious that I was the only kid in there who was black. Maybe my dad knew something I didn't, or perhaps he was keeping something important from me. When I got home that day, I went to him. Daddy, I said, I I looked up where grandma and grandpa, do you like the way that I'm like talking like a kid? Daddy, (laughs) did I do this in the audiobook? I don't know if I did or not. You guys, human hope listeners, you get a little special Carlos little kid voice. Let me do that again. Ready? Daddy, (laughs) why do I think it's so funny? I said, I looked up where grandma and grandpa were from today in the library at school. Are are they black? Now, listen, I remember exactly where this was. We were downstairs in the basement of that house, 3163 Spruiser Drive. My dad was in his office sitting in front of, I mean, may have been a word processor, typewriter. Were there word processors? It had to have been typewriter. Um, and I just remember his back was towards me when I asked him this question and he kind of spun around. So imagine that. Okay. Are they black? So he spins around. You are not black, Carlos. He replied, trust me, son. Okay. And it, it wasn't just what he said that made me wonder what was off. It was how he said it. He responded with a little more fire in him than I was used to seeing. Well, ever. You see, my dad is a soft-spoken man. He never raised his voice, never once made me feel threatened in any way. However, when he responded this time, I felt something from inside him. Somehow he meant this more than he meant most things. And I also felt a little bit like I got in trouble for even asking or for looking up the island in the encyclopedia. There was something there we did not talk about. So let me say it actually, let me say it with a little bit more unction in my junction. You are not black, Carlos, he replied. Trust me, son, okay? Well, that sounds better. Okay, dad, I'm sorry. But that wasn't the last time I went digging for answers about why he didn't want me to be black, a black kid in Atlanta. Even typing that sentence out right now makes my eyes well up with tears because now I know why, but we'll get to that. Oh, y'all getting it? Y'all getting it? (laughs) Two more pages. Let's keep going. Is there something about your story that you avoid sharing with others in hopes that life will be easier without that part of your story being true? If so, it's all right. You don't have to share every facet of who you are with the world. There's the noise again. (laughs) With the world, you guys, you guys are getting, listen, I'm recording this podcast in my hotel room in Hobbs, New Mexico. I I just need y'all to know that. That's why there's weird stuff happening with the sound. You don't have to share every facet of who you are with the world in order for you to be human. But I will also say that it's vital for you to at least know your story inside and out. Both the beautiful parts and the ugly parts of your story are relevant. 
I have friends who love their Southern roots, but they also acknowledge that they don't necessarily love all that comes with those roots. That doesn't mean they don't celebrate the parts they do like or ignore the parts that they are embarrassed about. It just means that they understand. They see the entirety of who they are and where they came from in order to live in the healthiest way possible, right? Does that make sense? Listen, if you're Southern sweet tea, fireflies, NASCAR, oh, there's a lot of stuff to be proud of. There's a lot of beautiful stuff in the South. I live there. This is not part of the book. I'm just, but there, but there's some things, there's some statues that when I would drive by, it's still to this day when I drive by, I think, oh, like I know the reason why they erected that statue and it wasn't because they were down with me, right? So there's, there's beautiful things and there's ugly things about all of us. Back to the book. After that conversation with my dad, for a long time, I stopped asking about my background and where I came from. I stopped digging. I stopped remotely looking for the black side of my story until 2019. Yep, 2019, that's not a typo. I had been not black Carlos for years. And then in 2019, my wife, Heather, thought it would be fun for us to do an Ancestry.com DNA test. I don't even know what I expected I don't think I realized how brainwashed the black, how I'd brainwashed the black right out of my story and soul. But when I received my results, they said my DNA was 72% Nigerian. Yes, 72%. Nigerian. The results stopped me in my tracks. Did I read that right? I asked out loud. Wait, what? What does it say? My wife asked. It says I'm black, I responded. Of course it does. And literally, like, if you guys can imagine, Heather, she was dying laughing at this point. Your dad is black, but where in Africa are you from? She asked so nonchalantly, like she just knew I was African. And of course she did. My wife had been to all my gumbo eating black family Christmas dinners for 20 years. And that was the moment I realized just how much I had suppressed the black side of me for my entire life. I had to call my dad. Dad, I said when I got him on the phone, I'm black, like Nigeria black. <laughs> he laughed. Why did you always tell me I wasn't black while I was growing up? I asked him. Carlitos, I'm sorry I was so adamant about that, he began. But when we moved to Atlanta in the 80s, I knew it was going to be much easier for you to be Mexican than it was for you to be black. What a horrible for me accent, by the way. Sorry. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't do that. But it was all I knew how to do to protect you from the racism that I knew you still experienced. I couldn't say anything. I couldn't even be mad. I understood. Although I was almost embarrassed that I'd refused to even investigate the black side of my identity and heritage for decades. So can I be black now? I asked him, only half joking and half still looking for his approval and permission. Yes, son, he replied matter-of-factly. You can be black because you are black. This was 2019, a few months before the year 2020, and little did I know how much the black part of me was about to come alive. Listen, we all have parts of us that need to come alive. You have parts of you that have been hidden and shamed for far too long. And the first step in being human is to step into the fullness of who you are. This is what I was talking about a few pages back when I said that maybe there are things inside of you that you didn't even know were there. 
things that you can actually stand up proudly and display for the world. One of the things I ask myself all the time is, Carlos, what is the last thing that made you jump for joy? No, seriously, that's what I ask. And when you think about it, it was probably when you were a kid, like when you got that present for Christmas you weren't expecting. The rise of emotion would sometimes actually make you lift your entire self off planet Earth. The exuberance that exploded out of your heart into your legs would cause them to bend and then lift, propelling you into space. And if only for a second, you were suspended in the air because you received something that made you literally jump for joy. I think those are the things you need to ponder in order to get to the core of who you are. No matter how old you are, you still have excavating and uncovering to do. How can you do that? Well, for starters, I think you need to list those things that make you jump for joy. And if there isn't anything that you can write down, guess what? That is fantastic news. All that means is that you have yet to discover everything that makes you, you. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? Like you have lived your entire life and not even stepped into everything you were created to be. It excites me that there could be thousands of people who suddenly begin to come alive in ways they didn't even know was possible. For some of you, it could be taking that DNA test, not the Mari Povich talk show version, but the kind that maybe wake you up to a part of you that you didn't know existed. What are the parts of you that need to come alive? The end of chapter two. And maybe the beginning of some of you understanding why, um, why this is such a complicated yet important part of my story, why I teach so strongly about it, why I am um, such a believer in um, making sure that um, we celebrate the black part of America and why black history is so important. Um, I did, I mean, this wasn't a dissertation on the importance of black history month, but hopefully you guys see my reasoning behind why it's important for me. Okay. What do you think? What do you think? Dr. Delight time. Let's hit it. (laughs) All right, friends. That is it. Hey, listen, this is what I want you to do. Many of you have not done this yet because we've got a lot of new listeners. Please go to... Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever it is, and rate rate the show. Leave a review. It's really, really helpful. Um, and that is it for this week. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Human Hope Podcast. And also, please email me, carlos at carloswhitaker.com. If you've got some questions, they will remain anonymous on racism and race and black history and all of those things. Uh, and I will do my best to answer as many as I can over this coming month. Happy Black History Month. Happy Happy February. Happy end of the longest month of the year, January. Did it not feel like it was January 72nd just yesterday? I'm like, how many days did January have? 72? Because that's what it felt like. Um, love you guys. Hey, if you're affected by this ice storm, praying that your power stays on and um, stay warm. I'll see you next week on another episode of the Human Rights Podcast. Love you. Thank you.